We want to thank Next Level Marketing for being our opening sponsor on the podcast. If you have social media that you use for marketing, you need to check out Next Level Marketing and follow them on Facebook. You can also reach them at Gary Bontrager Consulting on our website, www.garybontrager.com. They will do a free audit for you and check out what your social media, how it's performing, what loopholes there are, and how you can tighten it up and be more effective with your marketing. They will help put strategies together to use organic growth to maximize the dollars that you do spend. We appreciate them being an associate sponsor with us on this Mindset Growth Podcast and enjoy what they do for us. This is a company that we work with and we endorse and we don't take that lightly. So welcome to another episode of Mindset Growth Podcast. I have Heather, my co-host here, and we have a guest today that I'm excited to interview, Heather. I uh, feel like I've kind of known him from maybe a secondary position just because I've been able to meet his parents. And uh, well, this will be fun because, yes, we've interviewed his dad. So right. just seeing uh, where they line up and maybe go sideways from each other. Well, the funny part with all of this was before the interview with Torque, you were concerned that we did you didn't know him well enough and couldn't find enough on social yeah, media to, to know. pull up questions for him and right. right. And I golf with a friend of of Torques and he said, Don't worry, ask him one question, the rest will be taken care of itself. <laughs> Let him ramble. <laughs> and it was wonderful. So with no uh no more or not a further ado, I wanna welcome Sawyer Whistler to our Mindset Growth Podcast. We appreciate you joining us, Sawyer. Uh, look forward to this for some time and uh, just uh, going to jump into a couple of quick questions and we're going to get into your background, what led you to get into what you're doing. I mean, I know you farm and I know you're a podcaster yourself. So with that, the first one is what time of day are you most productive? I would say probably in the morning, but I, I can get pretty productive at night too. It's just if I'm, if I got stuff to do at night, then I'll do it. But Morning and night, probably, because they're my peace time, I guess. Right. Well, you're young. I, you guys all catch your second wind, and I was that yeah. way for years. Now it's still by 10, I'm dying off. But Yeah. By 10, I'm just getting going, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think morning because I drink some coffee. I just recently got on the coffee train, and you get caffeinated. Oh, that'll get you going pretty good. So morning's yeah. probably my most productive, for sure. Well, be careful with the coffee, because I have become a probably somewhat of a coffee connoisseur. So there's a big Snob. difference. I don't, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I check, I can't drop names, but I don't buy grocery store brands anymore. Yeah. I, I am a black, black rifle coffee company uh, guy. <laughs> there That's you all go. I buy. There you go. All I buy. So it's some good stuff. Yeah, I think. certainly is. Which you can get at the grocery store now. Yes. Some so, of them. okay. <laughs> all right. Here's a, here's a good one for you. Would you rather travel to the past or the future? Uh, I would say probably the past just because, yeah, we have so much opportunity ahead of us, but the past almost seemed like you could have a little bit more fun and not everybody knew your business and people seem more happy, I guess, in the past, it seems like just because you were present. That's a good point. I remember speaking with your dad and he was, he was very big into the history and uh, mm -hmm. your family farm and, and even beyond that. I yeah, would, we're big. We're big on legacy. So I think it'd be uh -huh. cool if I could like go back and see how it was. I guess that would be really cool too. So I would agree. I think there was less stress because there weren't so many outside influences, and it's kind of a negative maybe to even say that because we're on a podcast, and I know mm -hmm. you're a podcaster, but uh, the fact remains we didn't have all that outside influence, and so I think sometimes family and other things. I mean. I know growing up, I fought a lot with my brothers, but we didn't think, you know, would have never thought of just getting out of that situation. That's where we were at and what we were focused on. So mm -hmm. do you have yeah. a bucket list? Uh, I don't have a bucket list. I really don't. I mean, I have some goals and stuff that I want to achieve, but uh, I don't really have a bucket list. I should probably make one though. That would be, that'd be a good thing. I, I need to, I need to sit down and think about the places I'd like to travel. I just, I'm young, uh, young and broke. So I, 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 that's a little bit future 
for well, me. I was going to say either you've accomplished already in your in your short life everything you've wanted, and so there's no need to have one, or you just haven't gotten around to to creating one yet. But yep. When was the last time that you laughed at work? Last time I laughed at work, probably probably yesterday. My dad probably said something that I it's when working with my dad and working with family, you have your moments, but there's no better there's no better way to do it in my opinion because you share a bond tighter than any other employee or uh somebody you work with, you know. It's just we have a lot of fun together and stuff that comes out of his mouth. I mean, you guys saw it. The guy can come up with one-liners like it's nothing. And some of them, I just can't help, but not, you know, just chuckle a little bit. So uh, yeah, I'd probably say yesterday. He, I can't remember exactly what he said or, but we were loading pigs and I'm sure he said something that was funny. So well, that's every awesome. day I probably laugh at work. That's awesome to hear your perspective on family. It's uh, to me, it's a big thing. And I know it is in your family as well. And I think it's really the fabric of our country. So uh, I really appreciate that and seeing young folks, especially uh, focused on relationships with family, because that's found, it's still foundational. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, maybe uh, if I understood correctly, I don't believe you went to college. So just talk a little bit about maybe some of that transition and what took you through a thought process that put you in the position you are today. Yeah, so I guess I'll go back to high school. Uh, I'm 22 now, so four years ago, I had to make the decision if I was going to go to college or not. So that was a decision that was really hard. I guess it was kind of the first big boy decision you have to make, uh, and it's kind of pushed on you to go. But I figured that I would have probably gone to Iowa State, drank a lot of beer and majored in ag studies and just tried to get by because school really wasn't for me. And as I grew up, my dad was working off farm, but he was able to build hog barns that gave us the opportunity for me to come back. And he made it viable for me, essentially. And so I had something to do. I didn't know if I would have that uh, when I was growing up. But once I got to 18, it was like, OK, there is something here for me to do. So I figured I was going to come back and probably do what I'm doing right now, just four years later and spend a lot of money and uh, probably not have gotten a ton out of college. Uh, just that's my, that's my experience. So I just went right into the farm and started, started chorn barns, uh, started chorn all the hog barns here on our farm. And as I did that, uh, if you get up in the morning and get your stuff done as a, as a, as a pig farmer, you can, you know, kind of, you have some free time in the afternoon to do what you want to do. And so I wanted to start a side hustle. And I looked at the opportunity that some social media presented. It was something that always uh, interests me as I grew up with it. Um, and I saw the impact you can make, the money you can make, um, and just, you know, overall what the, what the importance of building a brand is. And so I, I, I was looking into like what I wanted to be on social media. I didn't know because I was young, right? But I did learn all the stuff about social media that makes you successful. So like the platforms, how they work, how to create content, why you should post on all platforms, uh, you know, the how to create it, how to film it, how to plan it, uh, how to post it, what hashtags to use. I mean, I was learning all this stuff. And then one day I came across a, you know, farm, a farmer that was posting on social media. And, you know, I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know, because I'm a farmer. That could be my, you know, my thing. Uh, and then I was looking and more and more farmers were doing it, but there was really nobody doing it for the modern day hog farmer. No one was showing the day to day life as a hog farmer. And so that was like light bulb moment. OK, I'm going to this is my this is my chance to get into social media. I know it. I know how to do it. I just have to take the jump and start making content. And so that's what I did. I picked up a camera. I bought my first camera, started recording, and I sucked. And you can probably go watch all our old videos and probably cringe like I do. But uh, I got better with each video. And my dad was, he was fond of it. But I think he said on this podcast as well, like he was just, he was letting me do it because he needed me on the farm. And whatever it took to keep me happy, to keep farming, he was going to let me do. And then 
as it started to grow and gain some momentum, uh, and I kind of, you know, put the camera on him, uh, he started to see the value in it and he started to like it. And he was obviously a natural. I mean, he's just right. good at talking. It comes, it comes pretty easy for torque. And so, you know, started doing that and that was three years ago. And then we just started a podcast a year and a half ago called Barn Talk. So we've been just consistently putting it out uh, across all platforms. This will do farm is the farm documentation of what we do. And then Barn Talk's our podcast. So. So you've kind of touched on it a little bit here, but why don't you tell us what your your day to day looks like? How much time, you know, farming versus podcasts or whatever else you can throw in the middle there. Yeah, uh, it's really different every day. I try I try my hardest to plan my day uh, the night before, but it there's curveballs that life throws at you. You know, you just you got to roll with the punches. And so I just take it day by day. And like, ideally, I would love to be able to do five critical tasks every day to move, you know, the TDF media forward or the farm forward. Um, and then I'd love to be able to work on myself personally for my fitness and my mind, you know, read something, learn something, work on my physical health. Um, and when I seem to do those things, uh, all those things, I feel really good, but that always doesn't happen because stuff happens. So I would say every single day I am doing chores, everything, every day. And the first thing when I wake up, I'm doing hog chores. And when that's when we create our content on the farm. Then I'm coming home and I'm working on media stuff. So emails, sponsorships, guests, content idea, you know, you name it, all the, all the stuff that goes into making content. And then from there, it's try to work on myself personally. And then if I come home and have a little bit more time, I'll work a little bit more and then enjoy myself with, enjoy my time with my girlfriend and we'll watch a show or something, but something like that. Ideally that would be my day, but it like today we have a podcast we got to shoot and I'm on this podcast. So my schedule might get messed up a little bit, but Hey, I enjoy it. So, well, we, we, uh, I always talk to you cause I do a lot of business coaching too. So I work with a lot of business owners and really we talk about planning our days, but the fact is life is what really happens around you. And there's, there's always that time you have to build into just adapt and, move with what's happening because creative people always end up in different situations. It's not a, it's not a real methodical process. And especially when you're self-employed or on a farm, because you never know what can happen. hundred percent agree. Yep. So I, uh, we were, we're, we've kind of asked a little bit and I know you're still involved in the farm. Are you just doing chores or you guys do some row crop? Can you tell us a little bit more about your operation and maybe, you know, is it the type of thing you guys do like I, cause I know there's like uh custom feeders out there that, you know, the, whoever the grower is comes in and does chores mm-hmm. and maybe you have to yeah. do the barn maintenance or maybe they have people that do so. Yeah. Uh, so we contract grow for a local integrator here uh, in our, in our County and we raise about 20, we finish out about 20,000 pigs a year. So we get them when they're wieners, wiener pigs, and we finish them out to fully grown uh, fat hogs. And so we, dad and I kind of tag team the chores. And so every morning we get up and we have four hog barns that we go in and we chore them, um, you know, and depending on the size of the pigs, the little pigs take a little bit more work. And if you got a good group of fat hogs, they take less work. And so it kind of evens out. And so we're always trying, we're always loading pigs somewhere, unloading pigs somewhere. Um, you know, it's just kind of wherever, wherever the pigs are, uh, size wise, is kind of where we spend the most time depending on, you know, if they're wieners or fat hogs. Um, and then, yeah, we do have a, that's, that's day to day. And we do all the barn maintenance cause we don't want to pay anybody to come and do the barn maintenance. Um, and yeah, we, we pay ourselves to chore them. We really don't pay ourselves, but we just kind of chore them and we don't pay anybody else to do it. Um, and then we have a little row crop operation here, about 400 acres that, uh, dad and I farm, but we also get some custom help to help us because we don't have all the great equipment to do it all. We don't own a combine. We have a custom uh, a guy that does custom combine working for us and then uh, custom planning too. And we also don't do the manure because we don't have the tank. So that's something that I definitely love to grow on our operation, but we all know how capital intensive that 
business is. And so that's something that I'm working towards. Awesome. That's, uh, that's interesting because it, it's, uh, um, what I would say is a lot of those integrators that have helped put barns though on farms like yourself have really helped young folks or small farms be viable and given them a platform to grow again and maybe regain some momentum and expand and, you know, grow to a point to where they're self-sufficient in the, in a, if that's even a fair word to use, but. No, no, I, yeah, I would say a hundred percent. My dad will tell you the same thing. Our farm has, I'm the sixth generation, dad's the fifth. Mm-hmm. And the only re- reason it's made it this far is because of the hog business. Right. There would be no way that we could survive with 400 acres and be, because it just, the math doesn't work. It right. cannot stay in two generations. So. Yeah. And I, when growing up, we farrowed hogs in the timber and caught them yep. rascals. And, you know, that's, it's not even possible to cash flow that. So. No, no, it's not. It's, it's tough here. And if, I mean, if we had more wood, do that, uh, it could work. But I mean, if you had a brand, you'd have to obviously brand it and you, the best way I think you could do it is sell direct to consumer because then you could probably charge more, but yeah, we just don't have enough. Uh, we don't live in Georgia where it's sunny and 90 degrees or 70 degrees all year round. And we don't have a ton of forestry. So right. I just don't think that would be the greatest nope. thing for the ground. I thought it was interesting when you were talking about uh, teaching yourself about all the platforms, how to do it. How did you just, YouTube that? Did you take classes? And what made you decide that that's the route you wanted to take? Yeah. So um, like I said before, I just saw the opportunity with it as, as I was growing up that, hey, this is something, this is where our society is heading. It's an attention-based society. Uh, whoever has the attention is able to monetize. And that's what advertisers want. Or if you ever want to start your own business, having eyes, having a deep-rooted audience is important. And so I saw that. And yeah, it was really just trial and error, YouTube, Google. Uh, You can pretty much, I'm a believer that the internet has kind of leveled the playing field when it comes to acquiring skills. Uh, Most of the stuff that you want to learn that are high-level, high-earning skills that are valuable to businesses, you can probably learn on the internet for free or for a significant lower price than a college degree, in my opinion. Um, and I, I learned it all through free YouTube and Google and trial and error. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I, I mean, people, a lot of people do social media, but to do it good, you just have to put in the work to learn it, you know, and if you want to be good at it and really grow something, you got to just put in the work to figure all that stuff out. But well, it's out there. Yeah. Well, Torque had talked about you being the visionary behind it. And obviously with his natural talents, it probably didn't take too much convincing for him to follow in behind you on that. But when you were looking at, say, four hog buildings and 400 acres, you know, were you were you thinking the other alternative is I've got to get a job off the farm as well? Or did you feel so confident already? I mean, what I when I visit with people, I always am interested in people who are visionaries because that's who I am, and they usually those are the folks that create a lot of things. What what uh, I mean, I know as a young person, I mean, I grew up in the '80s, so you know we all wanted to be Michael Jordan, and it wasn't really <laughs> yeah. reality. But in your case, I mean, you know, I hear what you're saying, but it's. Uh, at what point did you realize the monetization was going to come in and support the cause? Why well, I, I knew that I could make enough from choring the barns that I could get by and okay. I could live. Right. I, I, dad, dad was paying me to, you know, be the farmhand. He was paying me enough, not a crazy amount by any means, but I could get by. And so that was enough for me to go. I can figure out something with this skill. I can, whether it be starting social media or, you know, going and making a media company or, you know, doing social media for other people. I figured that if I acquire the skill, I can figure out something to do with it and I can monetize it. Uh, And whether that be social media or for somebody else. And I really, I guess the pivotal moment that really shook me is when you graduate high school and everybody leaves and everybody goes to college 
and you are stuck, you are here pretty much by yourself and you go into the adult world before most of your peers, it's really a wake up call of like, okay, Sawyer, this is your reality. What are you going to do with this? Do you want to chore pigs your entire life? Or do you want to, you know, make this farm viable so you can do other things and do bigger things? I mean, that was really what it came down to. Like I was willing to do whatever it took to make more income for this farm. And whether, whether, whatever, whatever it took, I was willing to do. And social media was just the first thing that I saw an opportunity with. And so I was like, this is my reality. What are you going to do with it? And so that, that's where I saw it. And I just kind of ran with it. And so I just started doing it consistently because I knew I could get by with the amount of money I was making from the farm. And I just knew that it just took time to build an audience. But once I saw that first YouTube check come in, I was like, okay, here we go. And then just kept going, just kept going and going and going. I'm, I'm pretty frugal, so I, I can live cheap. And that money was never like the end all be all for me. I knew it would come just long term. You know, uh, this is something that I resonate with a little bit. I didn't go to college either. And I feel like I've, and I've been self-employed since my early 20s. And even as a teenager, did some things, you know, on my own. Do you feel like when you were young, even in high school already, you were thinking about life a little bit differently than some of your friends? Like you had a little different mindset of how, you know, maybe you were going to support yourself or how you, how you learned. Uh, it always intrigues me because I think, uh, and I'm not here to discount college, but you're exactly right about a lot of what you're saying about it. But a lot of times it's just a four-year time period for, for folks to grow up. And then come back and try to accomplish whatever they really want to. And it's like, okay, now I've got to be an adult. And it's just at that point. So, and then the second question I would have with that is, were you going to be responsible on your own for your college? Or was it something your parents were going to help you with or take care of for you? Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm agreeing with you there on the college. I'd say, uh, there are definitely skills that you can only learn in college, but most kids just go because they don't know what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think it's at a price point now where it, that is not the option. You should not go to college and money to figure it out. You need to take a year. It's at a price point now where you're going to be, if you're paying for it, you're going, you're going backwards. You're starting, you're going to start your adult life backwards. Right. So I would, I strongly agree with you there. Uh, my parents were going to pitch in a little bit. Uh, I don't think they were going to pay for it all, but they were. But I still just, I felt guilty almost that I, I felt that I was going to go drink a lot of beer, meet a lot of great people, but I don't think I was going to get, I knew I wasn't going to get the value out of it that, you know, an engineer would, right? right. I knew that that was just not for me. And I, I didn't feel good about going and wasting my parents' money, you know, it, to come back and do what I'm already going to do if I would have just went right out of high school, you know? Well, it shows a lot of maturity on your part uh, to to say that. I mean, none of uh, all four of my kids either, well, only, yeah, well, none of them did the traditional four-year school. Uh, some of them have taken some college and done maybe some two-year programs, but uh, it was not, it was usually later when they figured out what they were wanting to do actually. And mm -hmm. uh, another thing college will do, and I just challenge a lot of young listeners, it'll often help you get your first job. But I will promise if you're going to build your career, no matter what you do, it is all about relationships, hard work and respect. And, re and it's more the respect you show to others and how you pursue all that. Uh, I think that's uh, something that hopefully kids learn when they're young from their parents. And I'm sure uh, what I see happen, you know, I've got both my daughters are in the Air Force and they can pick out the Midwestern kids every time. Mm -hmm. And then there's, uh, you know, some others that are obviously hardworking and that too, but, you know, they, they show up on time. Typically <laughs> they work hard, do what they're told. Don't, you know, aren't mouthing off. Uh, and it's just interesting when you get in a pool of people that's that large across the country that you can still 
go, yes, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just starting to pick up on on that. We want to thank Century Insurance for being a sponsor on the Mindset Growth Podcast. They work in about 18 different states, bringing insurance needs to small businesses, construction, and others likewise. They will tailor packages that fit your needs. They can work with bonds, home and auto insurance, life insurance and benefits, as well as health insurance. They will help you through the process of putting together a tailored package that benefits you and serves your family and your clients to its most effective capacity. We appreciate their support. We want to thank Gary Bontrager Consulting for being a sponsor on the Mindset Growth Podcast. There's a variety of services they offer. They have human resources for one. They have a sales program. They also work with the financials, whether you need to help set up your QuickBooks or go with a high-level person that can help you do benchmarking, budgeting, and the likewise. They also do a lot of leadership training, whether you are the business owner, manager, or are just leaders in departments. They can tailor those packages for you. Reach out to them for a free consult, and they will see what your needs are and offer different opportunities for you to put in motion to take your business to the next level. They have been successful over the past few years in helping organizations not only grow, but grow as much as two, three, and 400% in a 12-month period. Certainly, they understand it takes a strong foundation and there are years where there may be no growth leading up to this as they put the right pieces in place. Reach out to them at www.garybontrager.com. You can reach out to them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter and get the free advice that they offer. And that may be just what you need to set you on a different path to lead you forward and be successful in your business and your life. We appreciate them supporting us. That's kind of fun to see. I always am very interested in people like yourself, though, who have that entrepreneurial mindset at such a young young age. And I know, you know, your vision in the beginning was probably just to create some revenue. And I don't imagine you, uh, I don't know, did you, did you imagine it even being what it is right now? Well, I'll tell you that I really, I really, when I was studying all this stuff, I saw guys that would launch businesses off of the back end of their audience. So there's two examples. There was Christian Guzman from Alfleet, a huge, everybody knows Jim Sharp now. It's a gym apparel company, but Alfleet is a gym apparel company. And this guy had documented his journey of being a personal trainer on YouTube to now owning one of the largest uh, clothing brands when it comes to fitness apparel in the entire world. And he documented the whole process and he built a big audience. And then he he started building the audience first, getting the eyeballs, getting the deep rooted connection with people, then launching a product. He didn't because he didn't have the money to go run million dollars on Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're a small guy trying to get started, you can't spend that much money on marketing. And so I, I, I always have I've had the desire and still have the desire to launch a business that is like I love business through and through. That's what I love. I can talk about it for however long. And that is a huge goal of mine. I want to launch a business off of the back end of my audience that can bring some value to them. Not some ice, not a sweatshirt, not a t-shirt. You know, we offer that, but that's not like, it's got to make sense for your audience, the product that you do launch or the business that you do start. But I think that is so powerful. That's that's something that social media offers you is an opportunity to do, to give you an audience to then sell to uh, once you build it up. Um, But I also, that's not like the end all be all for me because I do enjoy the promoting agriculture in a positive light. That was, that was also, those, those, those two things were kind of the things that made me want to do what I'm doing now. Um, But yeah, businesses, that's what I want to do more than anything is be a business owner. Well, what, one thing for sure is agriculture in general has a really bad rap from certain groups of people. And I, I appreciate anytime somebody takes the time 
and gives up that piece of their life to try to educate because that is a very important part. I think the more that the family farms get lost and they get into the larger farms, which it's a trend that's never going to reverse, but as that happens, it's more important to educate the general public, you know, where their products come from. Uh, you know, growing up, we processed all our food. We grew it. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether it was alive or in the garden, we grew all of it. So that was uh, very interesting, I guess, in, in that. Uh, when, and I, one thing I'll say, one thing that's different, you're trying to, you're, well, I say trying, you're building an audience and you want to launch a business. Really what got me into this, I had a business and I was trying to market it. And then six months mm -hmm. ago, we brought, I, we hired a uh, person to come in and help us with our media. So I guess I did it a little bit backwards and different than you did. And in the last 90 days, it is phenomenal how, you know, the podcasts have blown up, uh, the following we're getting on our social media platforms. And we work in the business world as far as like consulting and things like that. So it's, it's a little different approach, but I think it's probably due to my age. I didn't have, uh, I was in business for years. So this was maybe a tendency uh, but the thing that's changed is I went from even paid ads to just all organic and natural growth. And mm -hmm. the audience is actually growing faster and I can target it more specifically when, when we do this then, cause when you just start paying ads, everybody sees it, but it's a lot of people that don't really care. Right. It's, it's not, not deep rooted connection. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's, that's different. So there's multiple approaches. Uh, mm -hmm. Certainly had I been more, if we'd have been more proactive, we'd have had, we'd, we'd be ahead of where we're at today with it. <laughs> so well, you're still ahead of the game though. I mean, most business owners don't even realize that this is something that they have, they must, they need to get on social media, yeah. social media, companies that realize you have to have a media part of your business. It's going to drive growth or drive the goal, whatever you want out of your business. It, social media is going to give that to you. You just well, got to, you got to come up with content to make it make it work, but it, it's there. The Dude, eyeballs are here. Yeah, they are there. And the thing that's different is just an age thing. But in the late nineties, I was spending about 20 to $30,000 a year on yellow page ads. Mm -hmm. That wow. was our social media today. Mm -hmm. I don't spend a fraction of that and I'm getting way better audience in, yeah. in correspondence with, with my marketing dollars. So there's so much more right. to do. It does take work and effort. I spend hours. I mean, I look back, I'm like, if I had little kids at home, I could not spend the time I do on social media because almost every night I'm putting hours into that. Yeah. You know, you just need to. So I, mm -hmm. I would go to say Sawyer that right now, this is your college years. If your end goal is to launch your own business, what an amazing way for you to do that. You're, you're getting wow. the education, you're already formulating what you want to do and that's really what college is, is for, for people. So mm -hmm. you've come up with such a, an amazing way of doing this. And I commend you for that. Definitely. Well, well I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it, I could say that I had it all planned out from the very beginning, but <laughs> it stuff just comes to you as time moves on, you start to figure stuff out. As long as you just start towards something, you'll start figuring out more and more. I'd like to say, yeah, I had it all figured out from the very beginning, but I do really appreciate that. <laughs> Um, well, I feel good about the decision I made yeah. and uh, I'm just excited to keep it going. As a parent, I would be like head over heels, the decision that you made and the way that you have done it. So I am sure that they are extremely appreciative of the way that you yeah, went. I think that my parents are, they're happy with just, not just me, but both uh, my brother and I, um, just how we've kind of moved forward with our, what we're doing. But um yeah, we're really close. We're close. We're close family. We like to, they, I will give a lot of credit to my parents. They are my dad specifically, like my dad's my best friend. And I could go to my, anytime that I hit a low or anytime I felt bad about what I was doing, my dad was always there to bring me up. My dad, my dad always was a visionary and I was a visionary too, but when I, you know, as a visionary, you get down about what you're doing. Some days you get, you hit a wall and you just feel like you can't, you're not going to do what you want to do or you're not going to make it or something. But he was always there to be a visionary back to me to light my fire again. You know, right. and I think that's really, really important for people is my dad's kind of been that rock for me. Whenever I felt down, 
he's always there to kind of pick me up and say, Hey, you're, you've done, you've done this. You can continue to do it. Um, so well, yeah, I owe a lot to my parents. They, they've instilled a lot of great things into my brother and I, so very appreciative of them. We do a lot of personality assessments when we do business consulting, just try to help people get put into the right positions and where they're most effective. And one thing I can, I have seen consistently people who are visionaries are also usually uh, flamboyant, energetic. Uh, they put themselves out there, but they also will be uh, probably one of the first types of people to feel rejection and hurt and pain. And I think that's why you will see a lot of visionaries go through spikes of highs and lows. I mean, I identify with everything you said. I'm sure your father was just seeing himself as, as you would talk to him about those things. So it's, it's a natural feeling that we have because, you know, I've, I've tried, there was a period of time I sold my business and I was going to go work for somebody else because I wanted the easy path. And I just come to realize literally within 12 months that I can't do that. And I was just trying to get away from the pain and the having to make all the decisions and dealing with the public, but it was, it wasn't, it's just not in the cards for me. And so fulfillment in life is a lot of it. Uh, where, where do you, uh, or how I should say is how has your mindset changed now that you feel like you've got a base and you can see the audience building and as you see a direction, I mean, I, we talk about that just on this podcast all the time is, you know, we start at one point. And we have to shift the way we think in order to reach our full potential and hit the goals that we're really shooting for. So, and in fact, when you started, I'm sure you didn't even really know, well, you clearly, you had mentioned it already. You didn't know exactly where it was going to go, just knew you could do it. So how is that process and what are some of the goals like in the next five years that you're shooting for? Yeah, I mean, I think my my vision and my confidence has changed from the very beginning due to when you get those small wins and you start to see your work pay off as far as it's working, what you're doing is working. That that green gains confidence in yourself and what you're doing. But also the people that I listen to, like I said, I'm I'm a business junkie, entrepreneurship junkie, mindset junkie, all that. I have also the last 4 years have just People that I, the, the stuff that I fill my brain with is constantly businessmen, entrepreneurs, businesswomen, entrepreneurs, uh, mindset, how, how these guys are successful. And that also instills what's, that gives me the, the feeling of, no, I can see what's possible. I can, if they show you what's possible and they also show you that they're no different than you and I. They come from very similar situations that most people come from, unless you're obviously Elon Musk, right? Right. He's obviously a one in a million or billion, whatever. (laughs) But most successful business entrepreneurs, people are just regular day people that just made a decision, executed, didn't quit, had the right mindset, whatever. And so that really shaped my mind and my vision. So I just started to think bigger. As I listen to these people, as I gain confidence, I just start thinking bigger of what I can make this and turn it into. So really, I don't see us stopping the content. I feel like I would love to get it to the point where it's almost an automated process. Like we could have the editing, the shooting, the content uh, planning, all that stuff just like is done from other people that work for us. And we just show up and execute. And it just becomes part of what we do every day. Um, I, I really want to automate it to that level where it's just like seamless, seamless. Right. Because um, I want to grow the farming operation. That's my ultimate goal and dream is to, yes, yeah, start a business, but also grow this farm so it's viable for the seventh generation. And so we're going to need to spend a lot of time and effort towards that goal, but we also don't want to stop the content. So I got to automate that content so it's pretty seamless. Uh, and then also, I would love love to start selling meat direct to consumer. Like that is something that I absolutely has been spending a lot of time behind the scenes working on that I, that I'm close to being able to do, but that process is not, that information is not very accessible to learn how to get all that, all those pieces in place, but it also isn't, it's very capital intensive as well. So it's not the easiest thing to get going, but it's something that I, definitely want to do in the next five years. Um, 
So yeah, just make the content better, make it more efficient, make it more automated. And then I would love the opportunity to start selling our meat direct to consumers, directly to our audience. That'd be great. I would endorse and support that completely. I, I've i uh, eaten just the general store-bought and then you buy the farm-raised. And you know when it's coming out of the store, I, I'm not going to knock it because I don't believe in all the propaganda that's out there with all the medications that they say are in it because mm-hmm. that's not true. It has to pass, right. you know, a stringent guideline to even be put on the market. But it's also the difference. Was it an old animal? Was it an animal raised to be whatever product that you're wanting it for? Uh, right. So there's there's a lot of quality that can go into that. And not mm-hmm. everybody pays attention to the detail of the quality. And I know there's farmers out there doing it. So I I would 100% support your efforts on that. Yeah. yeah. And I think the biggest thing, the reason I love that is nobody, the story is so powerful. What we have, the story is very, very powerful of, we are documenting the entire process of those pigs being raised. Right. You can't yeah. get that from store-bought. No. No one's showing that. Right. And so that's something that I think people really value is truly knowing where they can't, those, those pigs come from, knowing where their food comes from. But being able to see the farmers interact every day and knowing where, knowing the farmers, but also knowing how they raise their pigs is, I think, something that people really want. And we need to do more of across the whole uh, meat industry. But um, doesn't seem like uh, big packing plants, big packers really are interested in that. So I'm saying, let's just, I'm going to just try to do it myself. I would agree with that. That's not something that is... uh really, they don't want any piece of that, but we're seeing that more and more. There's another podcast I listen to, and I know I'm not going to drop names on here, but I know they are promoting other farmers that are doing that same type of thing. Uh, I had the privilege of about a month or so ago visiting an operation similar to this in Ohio. Uh, It wasn't in the pork industry, but you know they built that whole, it was the same small farm. What are we going to do? And they build a whole industry out of uh, just processing their own products. And so it's it's a little bit, I see it a little bit like probably already 10, 15 years ago, we started to see a lot of these mo- people really went after rather than, you know, in the 90s, late 80s, 90s, we had a lot of these chain restaurants and things come out. And then it kind of shifted back to people like uh, these smaller mom and pop type of slash bar restaurants with local raised food. Well, I think this that whole thing is is happening over on the farm product side as well. Mm-hmm. And so probably the challenge for you is how do you even build out all the products that maybe you don't raise and, you know, build that piece of it out. But uh, I got, I, I've been thinking. Okay. I've been figuring. <laughs> so. Well, you got my mind turning now. I'm ready to have a conversation yeah. off of this podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so where do you see this going? I mean, you've said all that. Uh, if you were going to, well, you've kind of shared that with us. Let's let's rephrase that question. I don't want to be redundant with that. Um, clearly, I, go ahead. I would just say I'm very bullish on agriculture. In the next mm-hmm. 10 years, 20 years, I, I know it's going to be rough these next probably three to five years, two to three years. It's going to be rough. Uh, just because what's happened on the world stage, it's just a mess, but I'm very bullish that American agriculture is going to, uh, be very, uh, it's going to be a great industry to be in. And I think what we're doing is something that's going to be even more valuable as time moves forward, uh, for, for the consumer. I think that people are wanting to know where their food comes from. They're wanting to know their farmer and building this brand around that exact thing is, is crucial. And I think the people that are starting to do it, because we're not the only ones doing this. There's guys that are doing it with cattle. They have huge YouTube channels of them doing exactly what we're doing, just on their farm with cattle. And that those people that are doing it is going to pay massive dividends in the end. And it might not be just them going directly to the consumer themselves, Maybe the Packers will wake up and go, wow, this is a trend that's really happening and we should partner with these guys and give them uh, maybe $3 every ribeye pack because their right. name's on it, right? right? I mean, 
brand is, I think brand is going to really matter. I think yeah. brand will be huge. And I agree with you on that. The other thing I think we're going to see a lot of people put a ton of focus into just with land prices. And I currently only row crop, uh, got rid of the cattle a few years ago when the kids all left because they had a lot other, of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work and I didn't have time with other things I was doing. But mm -hmm. I think you're going to start to see people pay a lot of attention to production on row crop. And I mean, I just had a visit with a farmer last week that went from, you know, averaging $40 an acre profit to over 400 in about two years with just some major farming practice changes. And so that, that interests me a lot. We're going to have somebody, we'll have people on this show talking about that piece of it too, because profitability is going to have to be uh, focused on much differently when I grew up in the 80s, we got up and worked as a family and the farm was more, I think, to teach about work and persistence and just even teamwork, how to get along with people. And yes, we made a living. We raised all our own food. But what's shifted today is you've mentioned multiple times how you love business and farm is absolutely nothing more than a business. And it's those that are going to run their farm as a business and pay attention to their overhead costs and all those things are the ones who are going to come out on top and be successful. So I applaud you for being forward thinking in that regard as well, because I do believe still that the fabric of our country is going to be much better based off of a lot of smaller farmers rather than mega farms. And I'm nothing yeah. against the ones that are really getting after it. But, you know, I don't like to see when it's so big, it's not really even a family operation anymore. So, right. No, I agree with you there. I appreciate that. Uh yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I think what you said there really is that's what the consumer wants too. I, I believe so. I think they want they want small family farms. They want they want the connection, yeah. and I think that I don't know. I think that technology is only going to make it better for the row crop side. I think sustainability. I think we're we're getting smarter with how our input costs cover crops um, using less. Uh, chemicals or fertilizer because we don't need to if we just make our ground and bio soil biology better you know we're just getting stuff figured out more and more right and uh, i think it's only it's just going to get better and better as we move forward and so. placing the right fertilizer and product at the right place not just mm -hmm. throwing it out there and then not using it products that don't break down uh i would like for you to share with our audience a little bit what what your goals and motives are behind Barn Talk? Uh, just just I know we have uh, listeners that would be interested in that podcast. Give them an idea what they can expect and learn from that. Yeah, so Barn Talk it, it started out as kind of an agricultural podcast, but we really we really wanted to start it because we wanted to show people what they what who we were outside of just our farm channel. We wanted to show them that, hey, we do love talking about business. We do love talking about politics and everyday discussions that you have at your kitchen table or your dining room table with your family. So we kind of do a mix. We we have a Q&A format where uh, listeners submit their questions in and we answer them. We have a hot topics where we talk about what's happening in the world and kind of giving our perspective on it. And then we also talk about, you know, success, mindset, business, investing, that kind of thing. And then we have guests come on that, you know, tell their story. And depending on the guest, it can be about, you know, anything. So we had a we had a country music artist come on uh, about a month ago and she told her story about the corruption in country music and, wow. and in Nashville. And that was really cool. So we're really open to just having very interesting people on from all, from all walks of life, you know, and I think our, our core audience is the regular American person out there busting their butt that, you know, believe in the freedom of this country that are true Americans that, you know, go through things that we all go through. Uh, and we try to have guests on that kind of relate to that core of people. And so um, that's what you can kind of expect. We kind of do a lot on it, but uh, we'd love to have anybody and everybody on if we could. Um, well, people appreciate authenticity and what's real. I think, uh, and I'm not going to, I try to stay out of all the political and, and you know, religious views because there's so many of them. However, I know when it comes to the, to our news and media, so much of it, I think a lot of people would view as not trustworthy or accurate. And I think that's where it's built such a, 
tremendous platform for folks like us and yourselves because we are those people. I mean, to me, I, I can talk all day. I don't enjoy really being behind the camera, but I'm behind the camera a lot anymore. But it's just, it's, and I've become comfortable with it, but you're exactly right. You have to build brands and you have to be authentic. And that's what's going to communicate uh, with the audience. 100%. Will you share with, with our viewers how people could find you and you know what platforms they can find you on? Yeah, so you guys can follow what we do across all platforms, TikTok, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram. This will do farm for our farm, our farm content and then barn talk. It'll either be barn talk or barn talk show, depending on the platform, because sometimes barn talk's taken. But barn talk or barn talk show on all platforms. And um, this will do farm across all those platforms, too, is where you can find us. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you joining us, Sawyer. Uh, appreciate that you've taken the time and been so transparent. I will tell you, just like Heather has already mentioned, it's inspiring. You're a young man that would make any parent proud. And it's probably a little bit emotional for me to even say that because, you know, you're the age of my kids. And as a parent, there's nothing more you want to see than your kids be successful and make great decisions. And probably more than that, though, you want to see your kids be respectful back to the parents. And I feel like a lot of that can be lost in today's society. So I'm just sharing that not as a compliment. But also, folks, if you're listening to this, this is a young man that, you know, is is a great example for your kids to follow and look up to. And I agree with a lot of the things you're doing. It's just, to me, it's just a uh, honor to have you on the Mindset Growth Podcast. I appreciate you taking that time. You can also find us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, all the platforms there. You can find us on all the platforms that uh, podcasts are hosted on. If you have enjoyed this show, please hit the follow button and give us your feedback so that we can improve our show and get feedback from you to follow up with topics and guests and things that you would like to see so that we can uh, continue to give you the content that you like to listen to. With that, we thank you for joining us on Mindset Growth Podcast.